Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone. Welcome to the latest Leader Post Rider Rumblings podcast. I say latest because I can't remember what number we're at. 13, 14, 15, something like that. Um, thanks for joining us once again. As always, we have the youthful and talented, vivacious Murray McCormick with us, the Leader Post's venerable, if not venerated, football scribe. I don't think I can add anything more to that, other than <laughs> handsome. <laughs> and uh, we... we um, we wanted to exp- go into the constituency of a or tap the constituency of, of the fan base, uh, and uh, we've had a lot of media people. We've had a lot of people formerly affiliated with the Rough Riders, but I don't think we've gotten to the heart of rider pride yet, and that's where uh, the idea struck me to ask a fan to join us. And once I started thinking within those parameters, it was a pretty easy choice for two reasons to invite Ron <laughs> Podbelsky jo- to join us. One, Ron is an ardent Rough Rider fan, as I. Discovered in 1985 when I met him, we were in the University of Regina's journalism school, wow. and um, and also his nickname back then. I'm not sure if, if that <laughs> still holds true as Pod. Yes. And so, who better for a podcast than Pod? <laughs> now we're authentic. So thank you for joining us. That was the Leader Post Symphony Orchestra, by the way. Uh, that was. Uh, did the wonderful theme for us, conducted by Paul Manafort. <laughs> we're, we're pulling out all the stops to entertain you today, uh, and the riders actually entertain people what a segue uh on sunday against the against the calgary stampeders uh, offensively there was actually something to watch which was rather novel and somewhat enjoyable so um i didn't see that one coming i thought the defense would play well but i didn't see doing to calgary what the rough riders did to calgary as being uh, probable likely I saw it going, uh, where'd that come from, Mer? I saw it going the other way. I was picking like fifty-four to ten. I just I thought the Riders, you know, it doesn't say much about their defense, but I thought their defense could maybe keep them from scoring. They might have a chance, but I didn't think the offense could score enough. And then they come out with the first quarter from from unbelievable area. The, the passing, the offense, everything that reverse, everything was just outstanding in that first quarter. As much of a turnaround as it was the last time they played the Stampeders. So. Yeah, I thought completely the other way. It's not the first time in my life I've been wrong about a rider game, and it's probably not the last. But I don't. We may look back on this one just like last year when they beat the BC Lions with Ed Ganey's four picks as being the turning point of the season. And as I said in my story, maybe this is what Chris Jones meant by going in a different direction, meant going up instead of down. I, I'm sure, Ron, that you predicted a 40 to 27 <laughs> victory for the Rough Riders, being as knowledgeable as you no. as you always are. Uh, what uh, was what's your learned assessment of what you saw? And what were your what was your what were your expectations going into it? Well, like Murray, I probably didn't have uh, terribly high expectations about the team. Um, you know, I think we saw through the first seven games that the team uh, through that recorded a three and four record, but really hadn't played a solid outing in all three phases of the game in in, in, in those seven games. And so when you go up against a Calgary that was 7-0, and my expectations were, were really quite low in terms of I thought we could play a competitive game being at home. The fans are usually a factor, but I certainly didn't see, uh, you know, the, the domination for much of the game. And really Calgary made it closer at the end than maybe, perhaps it should have been. But I think what I was most impressed with is um, in terms of not a, a lot of people are really talking about the role that Zach Caleros played in that game. And Zach was really effective, I think. And that was a surprise to me because I had a lot of questions about him at really managing the situation, um, not getting us into mistakes with an untimely turnover. He really effectively managed the game and allowed uh, the other aspects of the team to, to play well and, and uh, help us win that game. When he overthrew Shaq Evans, I kind of mm-hmm. thought, okay, this is it. 
this is going to be the moment of the game. We go, okay, because Zach Shaq Evans was open to score. That was a touchdown. And yes. kind of, I kind of thought, okay, it's over. Kind of to start certain the lead, Calgary's going to romp on. Mm-hmm. But he bounced back and he showed some uh, the ability to, to rebound. It really impressed me. And I guess that's what we've heard a little bit about him. And it was the Zach Evans are paying $430,000 a year to quarterbacks. That's Maybe that's another difference maker. Was Well, just to have the, the team as professionally quarterbacked as it was. Absolutely, and I'm not yeah. saying that to disparage uh, David Watford and Brandon Bridge, but they're at different stages of their career and they mm-hmm. have different, their skills aren't as refined as those of Zach Caleros. There's a reason the Rough Riders traded for him. And there were, there were there were times over the past few weeks when you wondered whether that was an astute move. As soon as people found out what he was making, mm-hmm. I think there were questions because he hadn't exactly lit, lit it up with the Hamilton Tiger Cats for the past few years. But you saw... I think a significant return on that investment, though at least the riders did yeah. this past weekend. He he wasn't flashy, he wasn't explosive, but they showed an inclination and an aptitude for throwing the ball downfield. And how many yeah. throws had you seen before this past game that were actually between the hash marks? <laughs> they, that was basically just an abandoned area of the field. They couldn't go there. And then you watch Zach Calero thread the ball into some very tight windows. That pass to Neyman Roosevelt. There wasn't an inch to spare either way. Yeah. And uh, Zach Calero has shown why the riders went after him. Now we're going to need to see that consistently, but um, that... That, I think it provides a modicum of, modicum of hope because you know that the special teams are going to be good. Craig Dickinson is there. Mm-hmm. The defense speaks for itself. That's a championship caliber defense. But could the offense, was that offense going to be a, a drag on the, the progress of the entire team? And now it just seems that, okay, they've got what they need from the offense if they can replicate that a few times. Can we go to the 15th consecutive podcast by mentioning Duran Carter? Ms. Wale, <laughs> what the heck? Sure. How much of an addition is the subtraction of Duran Carter? I really think, I don't, I don't, th- I think that's being a little bit overlooked. I, mm-hmm. Not knowing what he's done, not knowing anything going on in the background, but that's, is it, can you actually say the best game they've played all season without Duran Carter on the lineup? Yes. Like, well, you, we, you can say that definitively. I'm not sure that you can, you can say, okay, they're a way better team without Duran Carter. And, and, and I don't think you can make that assessment that quickly. Over yeah. time, well, sure I think. Sure, we can. Sure, we can. We can't be patient. We got to jump on things. I mean, yeah. over, over time, that offense still, still needs to prove itself week in, week out. And it hasn't. It's had one one game at Edmonton was okay. Yeah. Where I, you I, thought, okay, they've got some, some potential there uh, for sure absolutely i agree i mean I, I think time will show the the wisdom or the lack of wisdom of the of the duran carter decision I, I think the fact that you know now i'm hearing that maybe toronto will pick him up but there's certainly nobody was right there yeah. jumping the day after he was released but I, I think you know in terms of this this chemistry between caleros and let's face it a very young receiving core they chose to um get rid of bakari grant chad owens as we know they brought back rob bag for a bit of uh, veteran presence but I still think it's a very young receiving core and it's it's unproven now we saw some great signs from Jordan Williams Lambert in terms of this last game and just his ability to uh, to get open and make key catches but I think you know this is the thing that I'm seeing with Zach Caleros so far and I had a lot of questions about him like everybody else but I was really impressed the way that he went through his reads managed the game didn't make mistakes and allowed us to win how about the offensive line you know, over the first five games of the season or three games, they were a big-time question mark. And lately, they've been 
It won't go as far as solid, but no, solid. I'd, I'd, I'd I say would so. say I would say better than solid. They've, yeah. they've allowed yeah. one sack over their last four games and mm-hmm. none over the last two games that were started by Zach Calero. So you know we're kind of we're talking about Zach. We're talking about the receivers, but the the bottom line is that the big guys are doing their jobs. They're giving them a chance. Absolutely. They're getting a chance to be to get passes off, to do moves, to the reverses, and they're blocking. And so maybe kudos to uh, can we say kudos to Stephen McAdoo yet? Does he take responsibility for the offensive well, line? Well, if he's going to take heat for what was going wrong with the offense, I think there's still there needs to be some common some commendation for what went right. Yeah. Uh, well, even the, you complimented Chris Jones and what went right after the game. I, I know I, it hurt. It hurt. It wasn't eleven hundred <laughs> words, but it was very flowery and very complimentary. And I know you'll get back to your regular rotten self soon. <laughs> Am I that bad, Ron? You've known me for no, thirty three no, years. No, you know, I, I think you know, and and. I have a little bias because I have a great deal of respect for your writing over the years. But, uh, you know, I think you've offered a, a reasoned critique over time of, of Chris Jones. I, I mean, I don't doubt the man's intelligence or his commitment to win. Uh, he and his just his incredible creativity with the defense that we've yeah. seen. All of those things we have to laud and recognize. And I think you do that. The other side of it is I would say, you know, we're in year three of this rebuild. We're four and four through eight games. We've had five games at home, five games we played against the least or the East, as I like to call them. I just would have thought we would have been better than four and four at this point. And the mantra around the time that uh, that Brendan Tamman and Corey Chamberlain were let go in 2015 and around the time that Chris Jones was hired was mm. sustained success. Well, four and four in year three isn't sustained success. I want to see sustained is success. Moder- is it moderately moderate success? <laughs> <laughs> I want to see sustained success within a, within a season. Yeah. Okay, they've beaten Calgary. Mm-hmm. And that's that's an, it's a monumental victory for them. Yeah. And it's it's a statement game and it says a lot. But okay, can they build on it? And we have, we've seen a very erratic Rough Riders team this year. So okay, the opportunity is there for them. They've just beaten Calgary, which should signal that they're capable of beating any team in the league anywhere. And they did so resoundingly. Mm-hmm. So... Go into BC on Saturday. BC's undefeated at home. Can they win there? Then you get a tough Winnipeg team, unless they're playing Ottawa back to back. Can you make some inroads yeah. there? If they can get on a roll here, even go, you know, you know, if they can win these next three games with a sweetheart schedule for three weeks after that, then then we can say they that Chris Jones is 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 has met the ex- expectations or is beginning to meet the expectations of sustained success. Because that's what people want to see. They don't want this team that hovers around 500. And that's what this is looking like. It's looking like one of those Roy Shivers, Danny Barrett teams that'll beat a very good football team and then lose to the Hamilton Tiger Cats and be the only team to do that in 2003. People need to see them start stringing things along. And that's what they haven't been able to do this year. Can we talk about the defense? No. (laughs) What are your thoughts on special teams? (laughs) Sure. That That was a defensive effort. That just really, you know, Rob has a much better memory for me. I can barely remember what I had for breakfast. But every point of the defense just played well. The linebackers, you guavin blocking a punt. And a quick story. Dick Buck just once said what was missing from his Hall of Fame career was blocking a punt and scoring a touchdown. 
No. Sam Lugov, big buckets for you young people. Yeah, was the no. world's greatest middle linebacker in the history of sports. But. You, you're not saying Jack Lambert? Uh, yeah, <laughs> nice okay, Steelers okay. fan. Yeah, no, yeah. sorry. My what a fraud. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I think the great achievement, and, and I think, you know, Ryder fans are hesitant to give any type of credit to Bo Levi Mitchell in terms mm-hmm. of the, just because they hate him so much. But this guy has an 800 winning percentage. <laughs> and he came into this game, and for the first half, he looked thoroughly confused because Bo Levi Mitchell is one of the best game managers and best winning quarterbacks in the history of the CFL. So I think a lot of credit is due for Chris Jones for designing a defense that um, totally befuddled a really intelligent quarterback. I mean, it's, it's quite, I look back to their back to back, back to back victories over Hamilton and how they spun out of a, a loss to Montreal by by playing good football, just like they spun out of that out of a two game losing streak against the West by doing what they did to Calgary, and people have been lauding Jeremiah Mazzoli and the, and the Tiger Cats offense coming into the first game of the back to back and talking about how potent it was. And Chris Jones found a formula to to deal with that, and one that I think other teams are emulating ever since. And mm-hmm. it was basically the Chris Jones factor again, and given the amount of time, 17 days between games. I'm sure he used that time advantageously. That was an absolute clinic. And it may sound contradictory because it's not often when you give a game in which you surrender four touchdown passes that people are raving about the defense. (laughs) But they really created some tough times for Bolivar Mitchell. And he, I don't think he ever knew where the rush was coming from. And I think he had to be more cognizant of the rush than he was of who was getting open downfield because he was just a very distracted Quarterback. I think we talked about the impact that Charleston Hughes could have on this team when they traded from. He's that may that may turn out to be the trade of the year. Could be the comeback player of the year with eleven sacks last year. He's just he's playing better than he did last year. He has eleven sacks in eight games last year. Eleven sacks overall to lead the league. So he's doing that, and he's working so well with Willie Jefferson. What a combination of those two! And we expected that. And Zach Evans coming up the middle. We know, Kyle we, Brooks has been a great addition. Yeah, we lauded the offensive line. A lot of credit to the defensive line. They're making and I have the defensive backs are making getting time to cover. They get you know, less time to have to cover guys and linebackers like uh, Matt Elam, you know, two sacks, two blitzes, and he just had a great game. Another guy they picked up yet. So defensively, I, I don't, I don't know what's wanting on defense. I don't know what they, what can they improve on. Do you think there's anything? There's not a lot of concerns with that defense, and there really hasn't been for mm-hmm. the for the majority of the season. You knew it was going to be a good defensive team because. Chris Jones is on the team and uh, the defense, as soon as you hire Chris Jones, what regardless of what you might think of him as a head coach or a general manager or a mm-hmm. vice president of football operations or any other, any other of titles that he happens to carry, the one thing that's undisputable and, and uh, one thing that's a given is that with Chris Jones as your, as your defensive coordinator, that's going to be the foundation, the strength of the team. And that's proven itself uh, to be true. And yeah. gonna, I also want to mention the play of two rookies. John Jordan Williams Lambert and Nick Marshall. Like imagine if Nick Marshall had played every game now. Would you think if he touched on every game? Would he be that <laughs> what a what a find. What an yes. athlete. What a you know, this is a big time guy that they found through their we we criticize him spending a lot of money on training mini camps and stuff, but they mm-hmm. found him through that area, through that stuff. And he's here and he's arguably the best player on the field most of the time he's out there. 
and JW Well. He gave up two touchdowns on, uh, on That's sa- true, Sunday, I know. though. Yeah, I guess you're going to. DeVaris be... Daniels just scorched just them scorched twice. Them true. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Come on. I'm trying to be positive. I'm trying to be a, kill, I'm trying to be a on, killjoy. Rob, it's true. <laughs> Watch the tape. Jeez, I guess. Facts, 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 <laughs> facts get in the way of, of all the fun stuff. Okay. He got broiled on that second he one, really especially. He really did. Yeah, he really did. But I mean, hey, you're one on one with DeVaris Daniels. That's going to happen. There wasn't so, any okay, help. Well. Anyway. What do you got negative to say about continue, JWL? What about continue JWL? your no. wonderful things. You what about, tribute yeah, to this see, I'm unbeatable attitude. I'm just kind of going with the happiness. The well, well speak, speak, Ron, speak, save this yeah, no, speaking about wonder, <laughs> wonderful things, a, a guy who's not getting a lot of credit, he's being a little bit under the radar, is Brett Lother. Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah. That's for the defense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lother, <laughs> the successful conversion there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have to have some fun with that. And what, what an amazing story! What an amazing oh, find! Abs- absolutely. I mean, when you see the consistency that he's offered, and, and you know, I think the Riders were in a good spot with Tyler Carpina in terms yeah. of how he was doing. But Lother clearly has taken his game to another level, and I think he has a, a little bit more punch in his leg than probably Tyler had. And, and, you know, in these close games, CFL is very competitive, as you guys both know. Um, having a field goal kicker who is can deliver those threes reliably, that's a huge advantage going forward. And it's so. not like he's hitting 25-yard field goals. No. You look at his average per field goal, and not only is his percentage up in the clouds, but mm-hmm. the le- average length of field goal, he's challenging, challenging kick after how many forty-three yard field goals? It seems yeah. every time he's the second time he's yeah. lining up, he's from forty-three yards. And it just it's amazing how reliable he is when you consider the fact that he's bounced around for for yeah. five years and at one point there wasn't any real prospect of him playing in this league he's, again. He's no. the ultimate CFL story. You know, his family's back to him. He's kicking to his brother. He was encouraging friends to come out and catch balls from him. He's kicking them when mm-hmm. he was waiting for his chance. He kept grinding and grinding and not and most people would give up, become whatever he could have done with his life, and he still comes there one training camp. And I still I still don't remember Tyler Crampina kicking badly at training camp. I don't all of a sudden right, he yeah. came out with a hip injury and Lowther steps up. And I, I think this is gonna be the clip played on TSN for a long, long time when uh, Dave Dickinson's yelling, Hey Lowther, you're gonna miss. <laughs> and I know people are calling it taunting and unsportsmanlike, but it's the live mic and it was kind of maybe that's why we have the live mic, is to capture moments like that in a game that was kind of funny, I think. I think it was mm. more funny than trash talking, especially because he nailed it. The the yeah. irony is that he's uh having a little fun with a player who is coached by his brother. Yeah. <laughs> Small world, Maybe the that, CFL. That's probably, that's probably what was going on there. That's yeah. pretty cool. The, uh, the, it's interesting, too, because just to find a kicker in that fashion, and, and the, the Rough Riders ended up being in a desperate situation. There aren't many places you can turn and find a kicker who's that good. But 1980, after the 81 season, Paul Watson got hurt, and... Uh, what were they going to do for a kicker? Well, they drafted a kicker that year named Kevin Rydeard. Ridgeard, <laughs> R-Y-D-E-A-R-D. And they also brought in somebody to training camp named Dave Ridgway. Mm-hmm. So Paul Watson gets hurt. In comes Dave Ridgway. In, uh, ni- in, 2000, in 1994, Dave Ridgway got hurt late in the season. So they brought in Paul McCallum for a look. Mm-hmm. A year later, Paul McCallum was the guy. And now you have a situation where, where uh, they had to find a kicker who could replace Tyler Carpino, who's very good. Yeah. They've been really lucky in desperation situations as far as finding kickers over the years. Well, what, what a find. Oh, for sure. And, and you know, you have to remember, too, uh, when things are not going right, the place kicker is the second most scrutinized person on the team. 
Yeah. So right after the quarterback, if he's missing missing kicks, the fans are all over that. And so I think to walk into a pressure situation like Brett Lothar did with Ryder fans that are often very unforgiving of place kickers, we know that from what happened to Paul in 2004, mm-hmm. um, and just step in and really do a professional job there. Credit to him. Credit to that young man. So And to Chris Jones and maybe yeah. John Murphy, and we don't say his name very often, but they found him. Yeah. They, they, they found him and they knew there was something there. And I think it's easy to look at the offense and say, well, they only put one touchdown on the board. Yeah. And then, then they put the touchdown on the board after getting the ball at the 30-yard line thanks to a, another play by Charleston Hughes. But I think something has to be said for the fact that five of those field goals were the result of drives that uh, yeah, Chris, that uh, Zach Caleros was able to engineer. So they didn't, they didn't pound it in from there. No. But... There were drives 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 yards that put them in position to get points against a tough defense. I think that's got to be acknowledged as much as it's easy to focus on the the uh, only single-digit offensive touchdown total in yeah, the league I at think, the moment. I think drives were a four-letter word under the, the Brandon Bridge and David Wofford because they were sustained drives. Other than that, that one we came back against Hamilton late to, was only four plays. There's none of these sustained drives, and that's... That's what takes, like, got to see them getting the ball at their own 20 and marching, marching down the field and getting a field goal. That builds confidence and confidence in the team. It's very exciting to see a sustained drive. How much did you enjoy it from your from your luxury box? Oh, and my what God. Section, what section is it? <laughs> I, I wasn't in my normal tickets, which are kind of down on the main level on the 35-yard line. I was up in section 615, but I had my son with me. And, you know, he's 14. And that, that's the age, actually, when I saw my first Ryder game. Yeah. And uh, he absolutely loved it i mean we're sitting there doing high fives in the stadium on big plays and the 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 whole atmosphere and you know when the riders are playing well it it really contributes to that feeling that it's regina's just a fantastic place to live and there's a really exciting team that we're watching And, and so you know when when they say that you know saskatchewan and regina we we go we have up weeks and down weeks with the riders it's so true it's so true. Oh. People, people, are so happy this week, and it's like, it's, so it's it's a great place to be here this week. So, what was it that hooked you at age fourteen? Well, you know, I I had always watched CFL football as a kid, and you know, I, like most of us, we grew up with two channels on TV, right? And then and, we got the French station, <laughs> number, the French number three, <laughs> yeah, the French, the glorious day the, in nineteen seventy six, the, the French station. <laughs> but you know, I guess m- one of my most vivid memories is uh, the nineteen seventy six Grey Cup, and of course, you know, heartbreak for all of us. And I remember crying after the game because I was a twelve year old kid, and my late grandfather, who was born in Poland. And, you know, trying to figure out and, 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 and console me over, you know, this terrible loss. But it was seemed like that day was the day that something flipped a switch on me and I became a lifelong Ryder fan. So Man, what a way to what a catalyst that was. Tony Gabriel could have uh, had an opposite effect on you. <laughs> you could have been a real big lacrosse fan as a result of that game. Yeah. <laughs> you no. talk about that. I was at the, uh, I've been at the CP Women's Open the last couple of days. Right. And everyone's stopping to talk riders or golf, but mostly riders. And I've talked to a lot of the people organizing the event from Toronto, and they went to a rider game on Sunday. There's a lot of them there. Mm. And I asked them about that. Was it nice to go to a game where people care about it, where there's a big crowd? And they said it was so cool. They they all hear about everything at Regina, the new Mosaic Stadium, and they were very impressed. So, I mean, you look at it. They'd lost two games in a row. There was the whole Duran Carter mess. So it wasn't a week of good PR. And they sold out the game. Yeah, no way. Yeah. It really is amazing what 
people do to support this team. What a beautiful night for football, too. Right? Wasn't it just oh, like absolutely. it was like one of those, you know, who knows, this couple of years now, this could be the midway point of the season, the way they're talking about moving well, things up, but it was a night for... No, I mean, it's it, and it's wonderful. And I'm a, a sports fan of multiple sports, like all of you guys are. And I still think, you know, if you just take the, a Canadian sporting experience, and I've been to a Maple Leafs game, a Raptors game, a Blue Jays game, some CFL cities, there's still nothing that beats the energy and the experience of being in Mosaic Stadium. And it's been that way for a while. So mm-hmm. I, I really genuinely believe, and obviously I'm biased, it's the best fan experience in Canada when you've got a great game going on. Just the energy is incredible. When it's not a great game, maybe not so much. Yeah, no. Ask, ask, ask Matt Nichols. <laughs> yes, yeah, what, what happens when it's not a great game? Yes. Or ask pretty much anybody who's played quarterback for the Riders. They can exactly. feel the wrath of it too. But I mean, there are many experiences like it in Canada when, when you look at it. I mean, it's... What else rivals it? Going well, I'm, I'm biased, but going to a Winnipeg Jets game, that crowd mm-hmm. is amazing. Um, I've been to a Habs game, and the ha- the crowd at a Habs game is just they don't stop singing the, <laughs> the entire way. As far as a football experience in Canada, mm-hmm. like there's, it's so yeah, Winnipeg does a tremendous yes, job. Yes, they do. But so what is what, what? What else is the conversation? Yeah, you know, I mean. Edmonton gets good raw numbers, but nobody's ever really looked at their fans and said, "Oh, Eskimo fans, they're yeah, they're, they're the, you know." They're because, this. I think partly because the stadiums, the seating, so far away from the field. Like I like the way they built the stadium. You're right on top of them, and yeah. they can they can hear what you say. You can hear that kind of stuff, and that's kind of adds a little bit, I think, to the overall ambience. You know, and and I think I think the demographics are a little different too. You know, I've been to several games in Calgary. Um, the audience in Calgary, the attending fans, it's a much older demographic. Yeah, exactly. It's not it's not as young, and the, the engagement with the game is far less. So the you know it, it is a different experience watching a game in Calgary, unless you're watching the Riders in Calgary, yeah. um, going to a game at McMahon Stadium. So I just. Yeah, I think there's so many intangibles about the experience of going to Mosaic Stadium. It's, it's just, if you get a good game, it's really an incredible experience. The Riders have done a good job of encouraging yeah. younger people, that demographic between, I don't know, 24 the and The demographic, 30. that's not us. That's not yeah, us. That's, yeah, no. that's my kids. <laughs> Those are my kids in that demographic. But they've done a good job of encouraging. And you see couples, you see young I, What I really like to see is women. There's a couple of them, two or three women that go there. They have fun at the game and they feel comfortable and safe. First off, because they've grown up going to rider games with their mm-hmm. dads and mums, and they go there and they know it's a safe environment. They have fun. They can have a few drinks and enjoy themselves. And the riders have done a good job of fostering that, and they're working on it too. There's a number of initiatives to get more young people in there. In pill country, could you imagine standing for three hours? Like that's crazy. Could you do that? Yeah, I can't stand for ten minutes. I have to stand for three hours to get on the elevator. Am I, am I 24 or 54? I think I'm 24. I'm like I'm standing in that pill. <laughs> they look like they're having 24. Oh, thank they you. were having fun in, in that pill. You could tell they're having yeah. fun in that. That, that was sort of the game where the new Mosaic Stadium arrived, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so hard to replicate what Taylor Field was. And, mm-hmm. and you, ne- you looked at this nice, shiny new stadium, but you never really thought it was a forbidding environment for a visiting team yeah. to the extent mm-hmm. that you did when you saw Taylor Field. Mm-hmm. But I think that was the game where you show where they where it was demonstrated that this environment can be what approaching, uh, equaling even maybe exceeding one day the the atmosphere yeah. that was at well, Taylor Field because that was loud. Two yeah. time count violations yeah. on on Volev. He doesn't. I don't know how often he does it. They all do no. it. But I don't know. that was a and that was big and they were into it and loud and 
So yeah, that maybe I, I know. I think the first home playoff game will be when we can say Mosaic Stadium has arrived in my mind. But that was a a big step forward to there. Riders, we haven't we've been remiss, I mm-hmm. suppose, in not talking about the next game. I believe There's there is game? there is yeah. one <laughs> Saturday maybe, yeah. in BC. I have no idea what to make of this because <laughs> this team's been so tough to figure all year, and and the Lions are are also enigmatic. They're three and zero at home, zero and five on the road. Who knows what to make of either team? It's pick the winner out of a hat. Uh, Ron, what do you expect in this weekend? Well, you know, I I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be a competitive game. I am a little worried because I, I do think the BC has an outstanding receiving core, you know, with Arsenal, Brian Burnham, um, Lule is looking really solid in terms of, you know, um, managing that team and get putting them in the position to win. And then just BC Place has always been, like much of the, you know, the road destinations for Saskatchewan, has been a diff, really difficult place for the riders to win in. So, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, we can win the game. Uh, but I, the most I, I, I feel that I can commit to is I think it'll be a competitive game. Murray, you'll be there. Um, what, yeah. uh, I, I think what people don't, don't know about BC on a Saturday night in the summer is there's a lot of rider fans. They may all make their trips from all ages. I know the smoke and the fires are probably going to encounter some some issues there, but they all come to to Lions games on Saturday nights. There's mm-hmm. big. It's, mm-hmm. it's not. It's a lot of orange, but there's a lot of green bleeding into that. Yeah. So, I'm like you, Rob, and I, I don't know what to expect. I kind of jumped off the bandwagon with both feet after what happened against Calgary. So, I like Travis Lilly. I still think the Riders' defense is better than BC's offense, and I think they can hold them from scoring. And if Zach Claris does the same things he does, and maybe we're going to see more from Trey Mason. I think Trey Mason is kind of inching forward as in the running back derby. And in my mind Marcus Thig- Marcus Thigpen looked like he tweaked something. Yeah. There, so so and Caleb Holly's out. We, well, for how long we don't know. We won't know to go to practice not later today. But uh, I don't know who replaces him. Uh, here, here's something for you journalists to uh, investigate. Ooh, we're not journalists. Okay, sorry. Right, let's <laughs> get this straight. I'm a sports oh, writer. Sorry, sorry, sports writer. So li- libelous. We, we keep hearing that uh, Chad Owens is still in town. Is there any? Uh, I have never heard that. Tall. Or is that Chad or Terrell? Yeah. Which, which <laughs> Terrell, yeah. pardon me. I've never. They, <laughs> or no, Buck. As, as part of what the is, the, just unfortunately, it's a young man's game movement yes, that Chris Jones sure. has going. Yes. It is well within the possibility that he would be coming back. Because instead of going younger, they seem to be getting older. But well, I haven't heard that I know that the rumor. feeling. <laughs> I haven't heard that rumor at all. So you just the fan boards are ahead of us on that one. Well, we're we're done. I know that must be heartbreaking to everybody out there in <laughs> podcast land, but uh, we thank you. This is just breeze by. Ron, thank Ron Pabelski. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure to thank you. have you with us. Murray, it hasn't been a pleasure to have you with Can us. Can I give a plug you're to the obligated C- to join us? And I want to give a plug to the CP Women's Open. And I know people are 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 kind of wondering because we've never had a big time golf event in this city, but it is big time. It's like a whole village has taken over the Watskanet Center Country Club. There's everything there, concessions, there's tents, there's walking along the ropes. If you've never been to a big-time golf tournament, this is one. I think you should really... I know you have to pay, and I understand that, but parking's reasonable. They're doing everything they can. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool event. I think you should go out there and, and try to catch it one sometime. Great. For Murray McCormick, Ron Pabelski, I don't know my name, but uh, we'll try and do this again next week. Thanks for being with us. <laughs>